Hey y'all, I'm Braden, also known as OK Country over on Twitter, and welcome to the This Is Country podcast, where I talk to country's best artists and songwriters to go behind the scenes of their creative process, the career, and the music industry. Today I'm joined by Dave Finley for one of the most impactful conversations on the podcast. We talk about everything from the purpose of music to how Dave writes songs as a Nashville-based songwriter, his experiences on America's Got Talent and The Voice, the crazy story of how he ended up opening for Miranda Lambert's tour for three years, and the life-changing moment he decided to pursue music. Let's get right into the conversation. So first, I always like to start out getting a little bit of, of the background behind the artists and songwriters I talk to. So to start off, just kind of tell me a little bit about where you're from, what your upbringing was like, and how music was a part of your life growing up. I was born in a little East Texas town uh, called Lufkin. And you're up there in Tulsa. You're not, I mean, just pretty much a straight shot south for you. And uh, it's a good little, you know, Baptist Christian town. And uh, that's how I was raised in church. Uh, Mom and dad are still together. Um, I think they just celebrated their 42nd anniversary, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, my dad sang in the in a gospel quartet. I was raised singing in church. Music was always a big part of the household. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was really blessed in that way. Uh, my mom and dad both loved good country music, but they also loved like the old rhythm and blues. Like my dad loved, you know, the Commodores, Lionel Richie, Sam Cooke, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So it was really nice to have those kind of record players, those vinyls to listen to when I was a kid. Yeah, I think that kind of really spawned what kind of songwriter and what kind of artist I was going to become later because I just love the honesty in those kind of songs. You mm-hmm. know, the country and the R&B and the rhythm. You know, it was just something so pure about it. So, Yeah, absolutely. So like when you were growing up, who were the, the, the country artists that like really got you excited about and got you into country music? Any like first kind of big impressions that you remember? Absolutely. Uh, I'll tell you one guy who really married uh, country and soul and rhythm and blues back in the day was uh, Ronnie Millsap. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, this is a stranger in my house. I mean, he just wasn't afraid to. I mean, he just sang, man. Uh, he's so good. And my dad loved him. So I loved anything my dad loved at that time, like Oak Ridge Boys. My dad sang in the gospel quartet. He was the bass. So uh-huh. uh, anything at Oak Ridge Boys in Alabama, something with some really good uh, harmonies. Oh, well, that was my dad's favorite. And so it became my favorite. Oh, for sure. For sure. Those are, I mean, those are all just legendary. Those are great. That just that, that period of music was so influential, I feel like, for so many people. And just Absolutely. nothing's nothing's come close. Like I mean, music has continued to change and evolve over the years, but just kind of that period and those artists are just incredible. It's like that moment just kind of preserved in time. Absolutely, you know. And the thing about music is it, it, it is timeless. Yes, there's always been a change of the sound of music. You know, when there was Johnny Cash and then there was George Strait. I'm sure that there was a big difference between those, and there was probably people who were like, "Man, I don't know about this new kind of country music." Days. you know i don't know about this new kind of country music is what people are saying but it's just the evolution of things and there's never that's never gonna take away from how good it was 
mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, and it's not going to keep things from coming back around. We have Sturgill Simpson and Jason as well. Oh, these yes. guys who are Cody Jinks who are still making this amazing music that feels like the old days. And uh, so there's, I don't know, I'm just such a fan of all country music right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's for everything. There's people, some people just want to dance. Right now, we're, I mean, we're in 2020, the weirdest time in, in the world that I've ever seen. And you, you think I'm ever going to uh, complain about turning on the radio and have something that makes you forget about how weird it is right now, makes you just want to dance? Who cares what the content? Who cares about the backbeat? Who cares about any of that? Anything that can get us and, and make us feel good and have a good mood for about three minutes, I'm all for it. 100%. That was so well said. That completely, completely agree. That's, I mean, and that's really what the power of music comes down to. It's just making you feel things. If you're sad, it can make you happy. If you're happy or, you know, like there's, there's also the sad country songs that really kind of hit into that deeper meaning. I mean, country music is just so broad and just ranges so many different stories and emotions. There's, there's something within the genre for everyone at any time. And that it's incredible. My favorite thing about, I guess, country music was that if you're sad and you listen to a sad song, it's not going to make you feel better, but it's going to make you feel not alone. But somebody wrote that song because they were in your spot. And for about three minutes, you might be like, man, somebody had it worse than I did. Or, or, you know, like, Hey man, I'm just, I'm down here in the trenches with you. Like I write, I try not to write a whole lot of sad songs because I'm a really happy guy. Yeah. When I I do write sad songs, I'm very uh, mindful of my audience and who's going to listen to it. And if they're going to be able to take that and, adapt it to their own life and maybe have some find some healing or find some common ground i mean that's that's our job it's it's the most beautiful job ever absolutely absolutely so at what point growing up or kind of earlier in your life did you decide that you wanted to pursue music and songwriting as a career like was there one moment where you're like okay this is what i have to do or was it kind of like a, a slow build up to that decision uh, I think there's always defining moments and I, I, there's one that was, it, it was life changing for me. Uh, I was 13 years mm-hmm. old, 14 years old. Uh, and my church from Lufkin was going to this three day Christian music retreat in Atlanta, Georgia. And so it was three days of nonstop the whole, it was at six flags over Georgia. So three days of nothing but Christian music, and it was rap bands. It was hip-hop Christian groups. I mean, it, it was heavy metal Christian. It was I've never seen anything like it. And I, uh, it, was, it was the most amazing experience. And I just, you know, I went there to just collect all the T-shirts I could, and, you know, because back then it was just like all these really funny Christian T-shirts. Mm-hmm. I loved it as a kid. It was great. And then, you know, I was a Christian as far as, my mom, my parents told me I was, and I knew that I went to church and I believed what I was told to believe kind of thing. But I guess looking back, I hadn't made all the connections I needed to make at that time mm-hmm. because on the third day of the, uh, of the event, there was a group called DC talk and, uh, that if they were, you know, really young and fun. They had uh, two white guys and a black guy. They had kind of some rap game. They had some R and B game. They had a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. One of the guys in the in the in the group had long blonde hair, and I wasn't allowed to grow my hair long at that time. <laughs> and, he, and he sang so beautifully. <clears throat> and so we're, we're I'm watching the show. 
I'm 14 years old, probably. And uh, this guy gets up and sings this song called The Hard Way. And it was, he was singing the way I wanted to sing. And he was doing it for the Lord. And I, I remember that day, I was like, oh, God, if, if that is something that he can do, maybe I can do that. And so, I mean, I, I fell to my knees and I was bawling and I was just overwhelmed. I was like, that's when I gave my heart to God. I was like, God, just make me yours. You know, I believe in Jesus and all that took Jesus as my Lord and savior. And I asked him that day, I said, please, please, please let me do this for a living. Let me do this for the rest of my life to glorify your name and to, and to sing for the rest of the world. So it was, it was a really impactful moment. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Thank you for asking that. Absolutely. Wow. That's such a, a powerful story too. And I, I love that your faith is embedded in, in the roots of your entire career as well. It, I mean, that's just such an inspiring and powerful, powerful story to hear. So I'm glad you shared that. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, like I said, I hadn't thought about that in a long time and it's funny because, and throughout life, you know, the music career is very much not necessarily a Christian kind of career. And so in hindsight, you know, I've made a lot of decisions that have not been, I wouldn't say that I was the most proud of. And, and just thinking back on how it all started, it's pretty eye-opening. And uh, man, thank you for asking that. that. That just, I feel like I've got a, I don't know, I feel like I've got a brand new look at, a, at, a, at the way it all started. I'm kind of excited about moving forward now. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's super cool. Awesome. So, so next I want to dive into your songwriting, your songwriting process a little bit because you know, you are a songwriter in Nashville. You do that for a living. So kind of a a broad question to start off. So when you sit down to write a song, how does it all begin? Because I've talked to some people, you know, they'll have like a list, they'll come super prepared. Like I'm going to write this song of an idea I had on this day. Some people will just like start plucking on a guitar, see what it sounds like, see where the mood kind of goes from there. Maybe it's different every time you sit down. How does it all go for you? Um, it's been in phases. Uh, I, like I said, I'm from Texas and in Texas, uh, nobody really co-wrote back. From, uh-huh. you, know, you know, it was very independent kind of writing. This is my idea. I'm just going to write it. And whether it's good or bad, it's mine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, there was very little collaboration and I didn't even co-write until I got here, but I'll just kind of walk you through the way my, when I first started writing songs, uh, I didn't really have much experience with knowing how or a format. I didn't know there was rules or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So what I would actually do is I would take a guitar piece of music and I would record it. No lyrics, no nothing. I would just record that on a little, you know, ADAT, cassette tape or whatever back in the day and i would uh drive around and i would listen to that song that just guitar you know mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know how long sometimes they were five or six minutes i didn't know what the, any rules but i would just listen to that song in the in the car and i would say if this song had no lyric where would i go emotionally if i was just hearing this on the radio like classical music like classical music moves people a certain way gives them a certain feeling because it's has no lyric but you have to go somewhere yeah so i would just listen to that music i'd be like if this was telling me a story without lyrics where would i go and is it happy is it sad is it whatever and then i would take that emotion and that would just kind of create this story based on the emotion that the song was giving me at the time so that's how i always did it yeah and then i would 
then I moved to Nashville and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and so I learned uh, real quick that to be a collaborative songwriter, you have to come in with some ideas or you have to be willing to stick your neck out there and say the first lines, even if it's bad. Um, so now, yeah, I, I, when I do my own solo writing, I still start very organically with music first, let it create emotion. And then, then when I'm in the songwriting rooms here in Nashville, it's very much here. I've got a, I've got a list of titles. I've got a list of ideas. Uh, some are fleshed out a little bit more than others. And we, you know, work together to try to, to build or craft a song. It feels like cheating. Sometimes. <laughs> I think I definitely prefer the honesty of all the songs that I've written from my original format. Mm -hmm. but I've also written the, the other thing is you just get amazing songs sometimes when you're working with people who know, know what they're doing. And I've always yeah. hack. But some of these people in Nashville are just so amazingly talented at crafting songs that by the end of the song you've written, whether it's something you would ever release or not, you can't deny the fact that it's lyrically beautiful, melodically perfect, and somebody's going to get moved by it. And that, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about is just reaching people. For sure. That was so well put. And that that's really interesting, kind of the – the the two sides you know like the solo writing and and the co-writing side and how they differ but i mean they both end up beautiful it's just kind of the beauty might look different it's a different kind of beauty almost between the two right i mean if you're the if you're the person who's part of the creation process you can totally separate the two mm -hmm. but if you're, if you're the audience member who doesn't care how a song gets written all you know is how it speaks to you at the end of the day you know, I know that when I was in Texas, I used to judge Nashville for the process. But yeah. But when you're in the middle of it and you see the reaction that when you when I play one of these songs that was written by the formula and I play it for the audience member and I see somebody come up to the stage crying or whatever, then who cares about how it came to be? It is there and it moves someone. And for those three minutes, somebody got a whole new glimpse of something special and it mean, meant something to them. So piss on the haters. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, and I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you put it that way because I feel like, I mean, like, I mean, I'm on Twitter as well. And I mean, and there's a lot of kind of following from the, the indie, the Texas, red dirt, bluegrass, like that kind of whole thing and the mainstream side. And I feel like there are, there are a lot of people who are just so like kind of closed off to anything that's not, I guess, what they're a fan of. But if it's a good song, it's a good song. And I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. Who, who really cares about the way it was made or where it was made or anything like that? A good song is a good song. It's about the music speaking to the people. I'm glad. I'm really glad you said that. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a funny time where everybody it's, it's like everybody's got to fight for every little thing. They can't just enjoy enough exactly and that's a shame you know but it, it is what it is like I, i'm not going to waste or spend any of my breath or time trying to fix that kind of part of the world all i can do is try to write songs that maybe reach over the cross the aisle and might might convince somebody that nashville ain't so bad you know what i mean for sure absolutely i'm, I'm really glad you said that that's great to hear so kind of another abstract question here yeah but but to you what makes a good song? Whew, that's a, that is a good question. Um, what makes a good song? I think I would have to say that a, it 
it's a combination of so many things. It can't just be one thing. That would be impossible. Mm-hmm. But it takes it takes a a melody that moves you emotionally. It takes a lyric that something you can identify with. It takes a production that hits you the way you need to be hit. Like, I guess to kind of going back to what we were just talking about, if you're a single mom raising two or three kids in nowhere, Alabama, and a song comes on the radio from, you know, Florida, Georgia line or Luke Bryan or something. And all of a sudden you're, you're tapping your feet. You're having a good time. You're dancing around the kitchen with your new newborn baby. And you're just having the time of your life listening to something because for three minutes, you forgot that maybe life's a little hard. That song's perfect for her. Mm -hmm. At the same time, she might be, on a date later with a guy and listen to some carrying your love with me, George Strait, And then that song's perfect for, you know, what makes a song great is just the way it makes me feel. So uh, I'm, I'm sorry to get all ethereal and, and a, a wishy-washy. On you. <laughs> I wish I can give you more specific answers, but man, a great song is just what is just what it make, how it makes you feel. If it gets you yeah happy, if you need happy, sad, if you need sad, whatever. Absolutely. I love that. And I like the way you put it, especially kind of, you know, throwing in the the Luke Bryan, the Florida Georgia line. People crap all over that music. But, I mean, if you just listen to sad songs all the time, it just like, I mean, you need the range too. Like they have some bangers. I, I love some of their stuff. It's great. I, uh, I, I, I yeah. hate some of it too. But <laughs> True. You know, you can change the station. But, I mean, there there is something about music that doesn't have to be fought over. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, the only thing I can understand, I mean, and the thing that people really complain about the most isn't so much the fact that it, the music is being made, it's the fact of where it's being played. Because like mm-hmm. some of these songs, you know, they're just not what I would call country music, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's why, but at the same time, country's adapting. But I think where people really get upset is when what they don't consider country music is all over their favorite country station. They've been listening mm-hmm. to it for 30 years in their same hometown where they used to listen to George Strait. And now it's something that doesn't sound anything like it. <laughs> they don't know where to find it. Yeah, exactly. So do you have any songwriting heroes? Just people who had a way with words that you look up to in in every regard my favorite songwriter hands down is a woman named Lori mckenna oh yes oh yes wow i mean i mean i could just go it's funny because if i listed the songs that she's written it doesn't i mean as far as number ones i mean there's girl crush which you know that is what it is Mm -hmm. humble and kind uh for tim mcgraw there's a there's so many songs that she's written that have been massive hits, but those have nothing. They're, they're never the ones that I really love. Like her mm-hmm. albums are incredible. Her ability to tell a story and craft to make you feel something. And, and just the way she lets you look into her own life is like nothing I've ever seen. She's willing to be so vulnerable and it moves me to the core. I mean, anytime I'm ever feeling like I need some creative inspiration. I turn on Lori McKenna records. Wow. And I could not agree more. Her new album. I love her new album so much. Yes. That's great. Yes. Yeah. 
if you want to start somewhere, if people who are listening, Lori McKenna, if you can find it, look up the album Lorraine. It's about her mother. Her mother's name was Lorraine. It is the uh, it's it's a perfect album. It's so good. I I completely agree. Cool. Okay. So next up, I'm interested in uh in in seeing your response here. How do you know when a song is done? Doesn't need any more tweaking, any anything else done to it. How do you know when to just stop writing, stop tweaking, call it done, call it a day? When it's lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, uh, it's so weird to, to try to. I'm not an overthinker, mm-hmm. and, and I'm very much a. And I'm not, I'm not in a hurry to get out of the writing room by any means, but I think you can overthink songs to the point where if you just are completely unsatisfied with it, it's probably not going to be a good song anyway. And that's not always true. Like, I, I mean, I know that some songs have been tweaked for years and years and then they finally get a bit, they become a big hit, but they probably would have been a big hit anyway without the tweak, you know, just a matter yeah. of time. Um, so I think I don't know if I don't know if a song is ever really done per se, but I think that there's a time when you just have to be like, okay, I've done what I can do. Uh, whatever God gave me today, that's the juice I got for this song. And then if you want to come back to it again, I just have a hard time editing a finished song over and over. Mm-hmm. I often I do oftentimes start songs with a writer or two and we'll get, you know, three quarters of the way and then we'll book another day so we can come with fresh ears, fresh eyes, you know, kind of a, a new mindset. And we'll, what we'll do is we'll finish that first song in a later session and then we'll start another song and we'll keep that part going. So you always have to, kind uh-huh. of, so you, you'll get yeah three quarters down the road. And then when you come back, you'll have fresh ears, finish that first one, start another one and then come back in a couple of weeks later and finish that second song and start another one. It's a, it's an interesting way um, to attack the same problem because sometimes you just kind of go numb and you stop mm-hmm. creative juices, stop flowing the way they want them to. So sometimes it's good to take a break before you just let a song be bad. Yeah, for sure. That's really cool. It's a really smart and interesting way of doing it. I, I like that. Usually like that have a lot. during lunchtime. that's great awesome so now i want to talk a little bit about your your new cover you covered uh the judds grandpa tell me about the good old days and this one's just incredible i love this i've been playing it for weeks so first off what's so special to you about this song why did you choose to cover it um i've always loved this song and uh it, it, it's a perfect melody. It's a perfect story. But as a kid, I didn't really understand all the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually at a bar and uh, there's people singing karaoke and my wife and I were there and I was trying to be like, Hey, I was trying to get her to sing a karaoke song. And it's like, well, what do you, I was looking through the book, you know, and oh, what about this one? No. What about this one? No. What about this one? No. And uh, I was like, I found grandpa. I was like, Ooh, that's a damn good song. And I, that's how I, I hadn't thought about it in years. And so I was like, what about this one? And she's like, how's that one go? And I was like, Grandpa, tell me about them good old days. She's like, oh, I love that song. And I was like, yeah. Well, she didn't want to sing it. But I went, <laughs> up, the, I went up to the karaoke person. I was like, hey, can you like change the key on this song? I was like, let's guess and just put it in, I don't know, like B or something. I don't, I don't know what I said. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, just raise it up or lower it five steps because I can't sing like a girl. Yeah. And uh, so they they did the best they could, and I muddled my way through it. And after I got done, I was like, and that, that song lyrically just came flooding back. And I was like, that song needs to be heard. And so I worked, spent a little time trying to work up a version and played it at a bunch of live little shows and did some online stuff. That's when COVID was happening uh, right, right at the beginning. And I was practicing how to play the song and I'd play it in some, you know, live stream shows. And people were like, man, I forgot how much that song moved me. And so then I started on stage saying, this is going to be my next single. This is going to be my next single. This will be my next single. And I just kept putting it out there into the world and not knowing if it ever actually would be. And mm-hmm. then uh, a couple months back, I was just like, I need to, it's time for me to do something. This world, I thought, I thought we'd have been clear of the COVID and all that stuff by now. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I kept telling people I'm going to do grandpa. So let's just go ahead and do it. So I went to the studio and I didn't know how to play the little opening riff that they had done, but I was like, I'm smart enough and, a hack of enough a guitar player to figure it out. So I, I taught myself a little bit of a way to do it that morning and went to the studio, with my buddy David Dorn producing. And we knocked it out in about an hour. And uh, wow. yeah, it, it just felt really organic. And then about a week after that, I called up my friends. I was like, you want to shoot a video for this? And they came over to, they came over to my house. I had my mom and dad and my wife there and they brought over like photo albums of old pictures and, that's another thing that has been so overwhelming about this song is in the video, we're looking at actual physical pictures. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, to all the listeners out there, I urge you to not just keep everything in the cloud, print some of those things off. There's just something about looking through them. Cause as long as you know, they're on a device and you know, they'll always be there. You'll probably never look, but if you have them in a box, good old trusty shoe box, uh, Someday you might pull those out and share them and be like, oh, man. And the, the joy you get out of that is so, so neat. It's like always, it's not by date. You can't search by date. It's just to pull it out of a box and remember what, when that happened. It's, it's an incredible feeling. It was a beautiful day to do that. That is incredible. And I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I, I hadn't actually really thought about that, but I'm so glad you said it. Like there are, <laughs> now I just need to, go through my photo library and just go print a, print a bunch of stuff off at, at CVS later. Like yeah, that's, I love it. Yeah. It's, it doesn't cost much. That's the thing too. I love it. I'm, I'm really glad you said that. Well, now I got something to do. What's been really cool about, uh, cause it's done really well on YouTube and people are watching the videos, but I I put a comment on there that I pinned and I was like, please share your story. You know, like this yeah. song is just something cause I, I didn't write it. I just, I'm just the person who's putting it out there again, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but tell, you know, some people, I didn't realize people were going there looking for this song, usually from the judge, not from me, just looking for the song when their grandpa died. They wanted to, or, or a grandparent, they wanted to play it at the funeral. And so when I realized that I was getting that kind of feedback, that's when I pinned that comment and the stories. I, I just would love people to go watch, look at it on YouTube and read the comments because there's so many people that have just said, here's where I'm at. 
and they're, I'm crying right now because I'm thinking of my dad. Or I'm thinking of my grandma or whatever. And I've, I kind of ask people to be come in there and make it a safe place where you can tell and share your story. So if, if anyone, if, all, if any of your listeners, if you want to stop on there and just make a comment on someone's post and say you're praying for them or something. And it's amazing how much of a little community, the comment section of the YouTube video for grandpa has become. It's, it's amazing. That's incredible. And we'll have, we'll have the link to the video in the description of this. Everyone do be sure and check it out because that's, that's just incredible that what you're able to do with your music and get it out to those people and have them really feel it and almost, you know, take it into their own lives and put themselves into that song and, and really connect with it. That's as, as we've mentioned time and time again already, that's the power of it all. Like that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Now we're going to listen to Dave Finley's cover of Grandpa by the Judds. Oh, 
So your dad, as you kind of mentioned, is in the music video as well. Um, and he, he's the one that, that taught you the song and showed you the song years ago. So what was it like to kind of bring him into the video and bring him into the release of, of your cover? Oh, yeah. So my dad and I had a thing where uh, when I was playing baseball and I was, you know, Little League, uh, every day after a baseball game, we'd, be, we'd drive home and we would just sing and he would teach me the harmony parts, all the songs on the radio. And we'd, wow. sit there, we'd sit there in the driveway once we got home and sing for 20 minutes and 30 minutes until a song came on we didn't like. And then we'd go inside and eat dinner. And uh, this is one of those songs like that I, I remember so vividly because it, it already had a harmony part in place. So he's like, listen, listen to what she's doing. That's Winona and that's Naomi. Listen how they're doing the difference, you know? And, uh, and so we would sit there and sing that song. So it was just, it all, the, this song is just tied to so many great moments and vignettes in my life. And so having him in the video, it was just, uh, you know, we don't get, we don't get to keep our parents forever. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. That's kind of what the song's about too. Yeah, uh, we don't get to hold on to them forever, but this song and this video has kind of immortalized my mom and dad. So for a moment in time, like no matter what, in 30 years, you know, they might be gone and the video will still be there and I can still look at them and I can still see the love in their eyes that day. And uh, that's that's pretty amazing. It completely is. Cool. So now I have just a few kind of like miscellaneous questions uh, about your career, about COVID, about all kinds of stuff. Sure. So you've, you've been on not one, but two uh, TV competition shows. So uh, you've been on the voice and America's got talent. And in both times you, you just blew millions of people and the judges away. So first off, what, what led you to, to go on those shows? Uh, I, have always been uh how do i say I, I guess i've always been a little bit strange in the fact that i was very genre free in my in my approach to music mm-hmm. uh, i love hip-hop and i love r&b and i love country and i love rap i love everything yeah uh, and so i i make all those different kinds of music like i like to explore with songwriting i love to uh, and and experiment with musicality yeah so, and and there's so many ways to navigate the musical journey and there's so many so much more than one path it's not just write song make record get record deal get on radio get famous and die young you know there's so many more things so many routes and one of those routes that happened to happen while i was coming up and i was a young man was you know, American Idol and America's Got Talent and The Voice and all these things started popping up and one after the other. And uh, I was too old. I did try out for American Idol when I was 28, which was the age cutoff. And uh, I didn't make it. Uh, it. It was a grueling process. Uh-huh. Uh, spend all night overnight hanging out uh, and over singing practice, overtired, waking up if you got any sleep at all. And then I was never a good morning singer. And of course they had me singing at eight in the morning. Uh, I had no sleeping. So I wasn't surprised when I didn't get anything going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had auditioned for the voice uh, back in season two of that when it was a brand new fledgling thing. And again, there I didn't make that. I, did, I was very unprepared. 
America's Got Talent found me on the internet and mm-hmm. they asked me to come in and I was like, well, I've already tried the other two. Let's try this one too. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. So they, I flew to San Antonio. I was in Nashville for, I don't know. I had been in Nashville maybe three weeks and I was already, I don't know if I, if, do you know about the Miranda Lambert story? I'm a, a huge Miranda fan. I'm not, okay. may, maybe I might I'm gonna, have. I'm going to detour and tell you the coolest story in the world. And then I'll please do. She's yeah. literally like my favorite of everything. Like, do you have time for this? Okay. I'm gonna I this. do. Hey, I, yes. All right. So I, I apologize for getting sidetracked, but this is, I I'm sure it. it'll be worth it. Let's do it. So, so I moved to Nashville in 2013, March, and I went to this, uh, I went to the Bluebird. Like everybody says, you got to go to the Bluebird. Mm-hmm. So I, went to the, I went to the Bluebird and I was like, hey, can I play some songs? And they said, no. Like, <laughs> oh, well, that's not how I thought this was supposed to work. <laughs> You're supposed to show up at like, I showed up at like seven and the show starts at eight. And I was like, I heard I could play a song. And they're like, you got to show up at like three and wait outside for three, four hours. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. He said, but here's a little ticket. If you take, grab this ticket, if you're ever back in Nashville, then uh, this guarantees you'll get to sing a song. I was like, okay. So that night, I went to this other bar, and I was like, hey, uh, can I play some songs? They said no. I was like, all right. So I went next door. I said, like, can I play some songs? They said no. But they said, if you go next door, there's a thing called Whiskey Jam. And, uh-huh. uh, at Whiskey Jam, they might let you play a song. I was like, okay. So I went to this place called Winners. And uh, the Winners is right next door to Losers. And I was like, hey can I play some songs? And they said, no. I was like, crap, that's my last, that was my last shot. Yeah. I, said, I just moved here from Texas this, this past week. And, uh, you know, I'd love to sing some songs sometime. That's how I thought it worked. Well, about 30 minutes later, uh, this guy comes up, he goes, man, uh, somebody was supposed to sing and they canceled. Can you sing three songs? I was like, yes, I can. So I get up and I'm, I borrow his guitar. I didn't even have my guitar at this point. I borrowed his guitar and I got on and I played one strum of a chord and I broke a string. Oh no. And I was like, this is terrible. My first time playing music in Nashville and I break a string. What am I going to do? And I got 300 people looking at me like, come on, dude. So I, I say, do you have another guitar string? So they give me a guitar string and I start stringing the guitar. And at the same time I start beatboxing cause I'm nervous. So mm-hmm. I'm on the mic like, <laughs> doing that kind of <laughs> and uh and the crowd gets crazy it start jumping up and down and uh this other guy who i didn't know jumps up and he's like hey just keep doing that you know and i was like okay so uh i'm beatboxing he's like i'm just a bachelor and we start doing like some if you're on it let's do it right in my pony you know that kind of stuff and yeah so the crowd is going crazy so Uh all of a sudden blake shelton and miranda lambert who were married at the time Mm -hmm. they walk in and they sit at this table and miranda jumps up on top of the table and i didn't realize that this is during this like big festival in nashville called crs yeah all the radio stations are in town so she thinks that we're some premier act some new hot thing (laughs) and we we had just met and uh, she points to us and she, we and points outside. So we go outside and Miranda's there with her manager. And she's like, what, who the hell are you? And uh, this guy looks at me, he goes, we're called jukebox. 
And I was like, what? Uh, that's no terrible name. And she goes, I love it. Will you guys go on tour with Dirks and me? And uh, so we're, he's like, can you do it? I was like, yeah, I can do it. Can you do it? Yeah, I can do it. So uh, he's like, my name's Josh, by the way. I was like, I'm Dave. <laughs> so I guess we're called Jukebox. Okay. I was like, that's terrible. So we called it Jukebox Mafia. And we toured with Miranda for three years. Oh my God! We did the locked and locked and reloaded tour with her and Dirks, and then we did the platinum tour with her with her and uh, uh, Justin Moore, and it was incredible. Oh my God! So that was my first wow in Nashville. That's what happened, and then as, as, as soon between the time of meeting Miranda, getting asked to go on tour, working out the details, a- AGT found me and said, "Hey, you want to come be on our show?" And I was like, well, I just, I'm about to go on tour with Miranda. I was like, if you can promise that I'll never miss Miranda dates, then I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll work around your schedule. I was like, all right. So I went to San Antonio, did the audition, got on the show, uh, proceeded to do fairly well. And then I uh, got to the semifinals and I was, it was coming to a point where we're about to play with Miranda, about to do Madison Square Garden and uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania yeah and the big some big dates that I really needed to do and at the same time it was coming down to this big semifinals of AGT and AGT was like you got to be here for this and I was like oh I don't know if I can yeah and then my grandma then my grandma passed away and I was like I've got to go to the funeral and they're like yeah can't and I was like ah let's just make this what it is and I went on the show I beatboxed a uh, Spice Girls song they let me go off the show, went to the funeral, made it to Madison Square Garden, and the rest was history. So it was just a, oh. God's planning, God's timing. Uh, my my late grandmother, God rest her soul, was one of the biggest supporters, but she hadn't heard me sing in a long time because she had lost uh, she a little Alzheimer's and you know been put in a nursing home. And so I like to think that my last performance on AGT, she was up in heaven looking down. Wow. What a story. What I mean, everything. Wow. Sorry. Yeah. I got some tales. That's incredible. I love that story. That's incredible. And then the voice, man, that was just, I, I, I swore I'd never do another show. And then the voice reached out and they're like, Hey, we like what you got going on. And I was like, okay. Cause I felt like I didn't really do myself any justice on AGT. I didn't sing any country music. I didn't do anything that was like indicative of what I was creating. So I was like, well, if I go on this show, I just want to be me. I want to be country. I want to be, I want to bring back songs that I loved and try to just be the artist that I would love to. I want to sing. So I know that they won't let you sing originals. I wanted to sing songs that sounded kind of like what I write. And I write love songs, you know, and country songs. So I went out there and I did Help Me Hold On from Travis Tritt. And I did uh, Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground from Willie Nelson. I did uh, When You Say Nothing at All, Keith Whitley. I just did a bunch of songs that I was proud of. And uh, it was an amazing experience. I've made so many great friendships, relationships, and so many people from my season are blowing up right now. Cameron Marlowe has a big two big singles that are about to blow up on major radio. So uh, he's the next big, big, big thing. And he's the one that I beat in the knockout round. Damn it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Wow. That's incredible. 
just everything. I'm just still processing everything. Um, especially <laughs> Miranda. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah, she's amazing. She is a sweetheart. She, she definitely gets credit for discovering and seeing something in me that I didn't even think. Cause I just moved to Nashville to write songs. I did not think I was going to be back on stage, but God just wouldn't let me quit. And mm-hmm. used her to help me get back on stage and, Man, what a blessing that's, that was. Absolutely. So, obviously, COVID-19 is a thing. <laughs> Looks like it, it has been a thing. Looks like it'll continue to be a thing. So, how has that kind of impacted your year, and how have you kind of adapted to, to keep writing, keep music, stay involved with everything? What's it been like? It's just a different type of engagement. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it... Because it didn't affect just one person or one yeah. industry, it affected everybody. Mm-hmm. So it made everyone rethink how they're going to approach uh, whatever they want to call normal. So people who love going to music shows, they were the ones saying, we'll put music on the internet, we'll watch. And the people who were used to playing music shows were like, hey, we'd love to play somewhere. And so it just became a perfect marriage where we finally got to use the internet for what I think it really ever should have been used for, which is community. Uh, Mm -hmm. I got to, I got to play shows and people got to watch shows. And uh, if they wanted to be generous and, and provide a little money for people like me who don't make money except through shows and merchandise and stuff, then uh, you know, we were eternally grateful me and the whole music community we're so grateful for all the generosity that people have shown and continue to show uh, private events. Like when it was, you know, safe for us to do so before flying was safe, you know, you know, if it was within six hour or eight hour drive, then I would drive out to wherever you wanted and do a little house concert for 25, 30 people and they'd be wearing their masks or whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, I was just so moved by the fact that people still wanted to do whatever it took to feel normal. And if music was part of their normal, then I got to stay part of their life. And I was really excited and grateful to be able to be a part of that. And as far as the writing process, I learned how to write by zoom and by Skype and by FaceTime and, uh, and by myself again. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's so, so much co-writing and this gave us a chance to really think about stuff. And there's, you don't want to turn the news on, man. It's just so much hate. I don't know why the it's just gotten so, so, so to the point where there's just no common ground for anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, we, and uh, hopefully we can at least agree that love is better than hate. Maybe some, maybe if somebody would just say that. Yeah. Then, uh, <laughs> then maybe everybody like, yeah, that's right. But I still think some people would be like, nah, nah, hate's better. You know, I just think that we're in a really weird spot where people just believe that they have to fight. And I don't know. I just, I choose love, spread love like peanut butter. That's what I say. I like that. That's great, man. I, I completely agree. I mean, there's, there's a lot there. It seems like I, I think just a lot of people find something wrong with everything, you know, Let's just be nice, be nice to people, enjoy life, appreciate other people, love other people. That's what it comes down to. Respect. Yes. Respect. I mean, we're, we're not the same. Not, not all of us are the same person. 
Yeah. We weren't raised the same. We can't assume that we know what anyone else is going through. We've never been really in anyone else's shoes. So stop acting like you can tell other people how they should feel and just feel the way you feel and love each other anyway. My God, every sentence you keep saying just keeps getting better and better. Not going to lie. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you're saying. Well, whether you agreed with me or not, it, I'm just, for you, young man, I just think it's great that you're doing something uh, that, can, that can help your generation because you, 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 you are the future. So it's your job to make sure that your generation, at least the people that are in your bubble, in your circle, that have whatever you can reach, it's your job to make sure that you're passing good information on. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sp- if if you love everybody, then you're doing your part. So I'm Absolutely. so great. I'm so grateful that you would have a show like this to open people's eyes to old farts like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, okay, just a couple more, yeah. couple more here. Um, do you have a, a dream collaboration with anyone in all of music? I think it would be. It would be really great uh, to do something with Travis Tritt since mm-hmm. he's kind of been my hero. Yeah. Uh, songwriting, musically, vocally, uh, artistry. He's just a, an amazing talent. I think it would be really cool to do something with him, although he's a little bit in the uh, – he, he's divisive right now, which is – Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people – like I said, it just goes back. People are going to be mad about whatever they're going to be mad about. Mm-hmm. I, I love him musically, uh, no matter what, and I choose that over anything. Yeah, else. so absolutely. If I, had to coll- if I could collaborate with him, that would be amazing. Uh, I would love to write with Lori McKenna. That would mm-hmm. be interesting, true. Um, you know, there's all there's heroes. Like I got to do a show with Sawyer Brown not too long ago and i don't know if you're familiar with them but they had a string of amazing songs and i went to watch his voice is still as good as it ever was uh, mm-hmm. there's just some people out there that they just always did it right and i would i think my, my thing right now is i would just love to open for all those people that are still out there doing it that were big in the 90s like i would love to meet Wanona uh, and say thanks. yeah we're having the Juds and thanks for making this song so big and, and giving me a chance to do it. It's just a, I don't know. I'm sorry. That's a long answer, but no, that's I great. A, I have a lot of heroes, a lot of collaborations. That's great. Awesome. Um, and then last one here, any, any plans for the future or what's coming up for you? What's, what's it looking like? Of course, it's kind of probably hard to tell with when it, because we don't know when COVID's going to end, but, Anything you're, you're working on, looking at, working towards? Absolutely. Uh, so because of uh, the success of Grandpa and the people being so excited about having someone sing songs from the, that they kind of forgot how much they loved, uh, 2021, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put this in the world. I'm going to have a new video come out every two weeks. Wow. That's going to be a a song that people will remember and it's going to be every different genre. It's going to be me and a guitar, maybe me and a guitar and a little dobro or something. I might kind of expand some things. Yeah. I'm going to keep it simple. It's going to be songs that I love that 
I can't wait to share again. And hopefully there's songs that people used to love that can just, I just, there's things that don't need to be forgotten. So uh, I'm just really, really excited. I'm starting to record those songs mid-October and start shooting the videos late October to get ahead of 21 because it's coming up pretty fast. Yeah. Well, I'm beyond excited for that. I, I'm so excited. Um, that's, that's all the questions I, I had, but I just want to say, like, I mean, I do, I've done quite a few of these at one point, but just talking with you, your, your just outlook on the industry, on the world, on people. It's just, you're someone I really respect. And I just really had an incredible conversation just hearing you, hearing you talk and hearing your perspective on everything. It was really, really rewarding and great to hear. Well, thank you so much. And, and, you know, you asked really great questions that brought out emotions in me that I hadn't thought of in places I hadn't been to in a while. And, you know, there's so many people that I've done these kind of things before and they asked all the same, you know, rudimentary questions you just kind of have to ask, but you, man, I just really appreciate you listening and, and, and asking what something that got me in my headspace, which is, uh, I don't know. I I've always called myself a Christian and, and I've ever since I got married, I felt like God's been working in my life really, really hard. And, uh, I don't know. I just sometimes in this in this music journey, it's easy to kind of walk off that path a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm really glad that we got to talk about him a little bit. Absolutely. With that, I want to thank Dave for joining me today and really diving into how music is made, his experiences and stories, and some of the wonderful advice and outlooks on life. I have a lot of respect for what Dave does and who he is. Also, a big thank you to Sarah Frost for helping me set this up. And be sure and go check out Dave's music and the video for his song, Grandpa. All the links are in the description. As always, you can find me over on Twitter at OKCountry1 for daily country music conversations. Go listen to some great music, and I'll catch you soon with another episode.